WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. As always, I hope this week finds you doing well and staying healthy at home. Here in Lexington, it is week five of us being asked to stay home and do our part to stop the spread of COVID-19. One of the areas hit hard by the closures and people staying home, our restaurant industry. Here in Lexington, we have a vibrant, almost foodie-like scene, if you will. Our taste buds here in the city really run the gamut of different foods, and we have so many amazing options. Here at WKYT, we've been trying to do our part and support our local businesses by instituting Takeout Tuesdays. We pick a new place each week, we order, and then we post about it online. I think one of the saving graces during this pandemic is at least we can still support folks like this with takeout and food deliveries. I know these folks are struggling, and we all look forward to that day when we can grace the doorstep of our favorite watering hole or eatery. This week on Uniquely Kentucky, my guest is a gal who knows Lexington's food scene well. She is the owner of Tuk Tuk Sri Lankan Bites. Sam Four infuses a bit of Southern flair with her native recipes. This week, we talk about her unique business, but also how so many in the food services industry have pulled together to support one another during these trying times. And as always, we've had to change up the way that we record the podcast recently. So if it sounds a little different, please bear with us. We are recording a lot of these via video chat these days. So if it sounds a little different, that is why. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpot is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather apps, available on the App Store and Google Play. Sam, welcome to Uniquely Kentucky. How are you? I'm doing as well as I can considering the circumstances. I'm really grateful that you guys are taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, I think we're all doing the best we can and hanging in going on now over three weeks. So um, you are uh, a chef locally. Uh, you own your own business. Is, is chef a stretch to use or no? I Do you like, like it? I think I think that chefs technically have like full on teams and and, you know, they, they manage things day to day. I'm, I'm a pop up chef, so I have a team for the day. And generally, I'm, I'm just kind of like a home cook gone mad Um I'm, I'm able to scale just because of how I've done things in the past. Um, not a lot of people know how to cook for 40, 60, 80 at a clip, but it worked out so for me. So Let's tell people about you. Uh, you have one of the neatest concepts of a business. So you have Tuk Tuk Sri Lankan Bites, and this is literally like a pop-up shop for food, right? Yeah. You cook. Is it a food truck? No, I don't have a truck. I, I decided against that pretty early because I was doing okay out of a 10 by 10 tent I bought at Walmart. So <laughs> why I, change things? Exactly. I mean, it was one of those things where it was such a low barrier to entry. And I started in, in 2016. And it felt like the right thing to do, A. And B, it became very apparent that there was a need to be met. And, and people have supported me beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, I can't believe 90% of the things I have. I, I looked at pictures from last year and I'm still in shock. Wow. So, yeah. So it's, you it's serve magical. traditional Sri Lankan inspired Southern fare. Explain that to me because that is a mouthful in itself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Um, I like to do about five to six dishes for every pop-up. 
And three of those I consider gateway dishes. And so it's for someone who's not necessarily familiar with the ideas of like a rice and curry, which I think is its own sort of food genre in Sri Lanka. Everyone's kind of got a rice and curry. Everyone's got their own like familiar comfort meal. You know, it's it's your mac and cheese. It's your it's your big pot of pasta at the end of the night. It's it's your porridge and it's your it's your shrimp and grits. You know, and so if they're not comfortable with that, I try to do as many familiar offerings as I can between putting everything that I would in a chicken curry into a fried chicken brine with buttermilk, putting, you know, coconut milk into deviled egg filling just to enhance those flavors, doing ribs with a deep roasted spice blend and cooking them forever until they fall off the bone. But people are familiar and comfortable with, with stuff like that. And I think that that's exciting. Um, it's, it's an opportunity. It yeah, really yeah. is. And then once people kind of start with those bites, they can be like, okay, the shrimp and grits actually has shrimp curry over it, so maybe I'll try that. Okay, I like that. I'm going to go for a traditional rice bowl. And those traditional rice bowls are there for the folks who are super familiar with the cuisine. Um, it's great because I have people coming from all over that are like really missing the taste of home, and I can still cater to them as well. So it's, it's a really inclusive concept, I think. Um, I, I want to be able to feed everyone. I've got options for gluten-free, vegan. I, I don't think that there should be a situation where people can't eat. So <laughs> you, I read that you were sort of inspired by your mom's good old Absolutely. recipes, and that's what really got you in the kitchen. So talk to me about food growing up. Was this something that was always around, and you, were you always in the kitchen? Were you inspired by her, just your um, heritage? I think that she's pretty much the embodiment of food as love. Um, she cooked all of these incredible, incredible meals every night. You know, my dad really loved traditional dinners. So whereas, like, you know, you'd maybe have a, a piece of, like, a, a steak, a, a side, and another side, we would have these, like, two proteins, six different sides, and rice every night. <laughs> like... I, I learned how to make magic out of leftovers too, because it's like that's not traditional for people to be able to have that. Um, but she really made do with everything that she could, and and like international markets weren't as popular in the '80s when I was growing up. International food was not on the forefront, so she really made do with a lot of what she had. And what's interesting is, is that with you know trade and diaspora and all that, it's very similar to stuff that's come to Sri Lanka through the years. And so it's it's almost become this anthropological study for me too. <laughs> it's crazy. How I mean, did your family end up here? Did you grow up in Lexington? Where did you grow up? I was born in Lexington, actually. Okay. My father was a physician at the doctor's park back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, we moved away from Lexington in 1988. Uh, they moved to North Carolina, and we kind of I grew up there. I stayed there until I was 17, and then I moved to Boston. But in North Carolina, we were in a town outside of Charlotte and everyone was kind of, it's such an interesting community because it's a community of people that give. And I think that's a very Southern thing is, is giving. And so we would come home with, you know, jars of pickled beans and, and like okra and people would bring vegetables and stuff like that because my dad was a town doctor in a small town. 
And so that community really did teach me a lot about the Southern side of things, whether it's going to a buffet that they affectionately refer to as over yonder or <laughs> I love that. introducing myself to barbecue and, and fried chicken and, and the million variations of fried chicken. Um, and then in, in North Carolina, where I grew up, there were fish camps. And so they did a lot with fried fish, hush puppies and that sort of thing, where it was just like a plate of food and sustenance for the day and, and you're good. And yeah. I love those like sort of dishes that make me think of home. Yeah. Food yeah. is love. I love thinking about that because right now more than ever, when we are stuck at home at, with our loved ones, you know, a lot of people take the kitchen for granted because we're all so busy. And I think if anything out of all of this, getting together to eat again, I hope that that becomes a center point in folks' lives these days as we're going through however long we're going to be in this, you know? I think it's important. I think it's absolutely important to, for, for what we have right now, given that we need to socially distance, for those that we socially distance with, it is a beautiful expression of both creativity and, and love to, to make a meal. Um, to make a meal together, to to get in the kitchen, or to even, you know, I've seen a number of chefs that are out of work that are posting Instagram recipes. So you can create this beautiful dinner at home and like rent a movie or watch Netflix, and you can have dinner in a movie at home if you have to. And that's the kind of things that we need to do right now to keep everyone safe. I also think our pantries are going to look the best that they've ever looked because we're all going through them finally and yeah. realizing what's in them and hopefully making something with them. I hope. I, <laughs> least I am. Cans of coconut milk in my pantry. Like I went and did, cause I I'm regularly in my pantry kind of inventorying things because I try to have dinner parties as often as possible. Mm. I have so many beans and we do. And and the other day I was laughing. I was at the grocery store. I was like, who eats this many beans? Because I just saw the bean aisle was empty. I was like, nobody ever eats this many beans. And then I went back to my house and I looked. I was like, oh, I eat They're this in many. our pantry. That's why. <laughs> like I have, well, I mean, I get a lot from all sorts of the events that I do. And so I've got like all these crazy heirloom beans that are amazing. And I'm like, I don't feel too bad about it. <laughs> well, I want to talk about a lot of the restaurant workers and chefs in a moment, but I want to talk about one of the last events that I got to be a part of before everything was sort of shut down. And that was a wonderful event called Feast. Um, it's a fundraiser for Food Chain, wow. which I think is one of the most, um, it's just like the smartest organization in our backyard. And you were a part of this phenomenal group of female chefs all under Rita Michael. It's amazing, right? <laughs> yes. Talk to me about that experience because it really does show love, A, to the food community in Lexington, but it also shows love to a lot of up-and-coming female chefs. The beautiful thing about Feast is that, honestly, it's one of my favorite events of the year, and I pretty much exclusively do events now. Um, it is such a collection of talented and driven women that are making these beautiful dishes that have a local touch to them. Wida and the team at Food Chain really help us source and help us find things that are local, that are not coming from far away, that are really indicative of what Kentucky has to offer. So it's a showcase of not only our fundraising prowess, but also of the agricultural bounty that Kentucky has. It is amazing to see how many things can, can be grown here and sustained here in in 
you know, our local farmers really do need the spotlight for this. And we're very fortunate to have a lot of community sponsors that step in and, and really support this initiative. But the beautiful, beautiful thing is that I get to hang out with 17 incredible women and their teams. I get to learn from them. I get to collaborate with them. And then we get to do stuff in the future together, which is kind of awesome. Like, once all this is over, I want to be able to go to Pittsburgh and cook with Jamilka Borges for, you know, a, a anything that we can, you know, she's got Puerto Rican influence. I've got Sri Lankan influence. You've got the Island influence going, you're going to make a beautiful dish. Um, Joy Crump and, and Fredericksburg, we want to set up something together too. And everything's kind of on hold for the moment, rightfully so. But it's, it's really nice to be able to reflect on things like that when, when you're going through a hard time in your community and in your nation to realize how much power is, is achieved when you work together and when you collaborate in a, in a way that makes it easy for people who are coming from DC to prep that are, you know, coming from afar. I love the community and the openness that we Michael fosters. I cannot, ex like, I cannot extol her virtues enough. She's incredible. What a leader too she has been just in the last few weeks in terms of really just putting herself out there, putting her heart out there and, and really reminding us that we're all in this together. I talk to her like every other day. I send her a text and make sure. And, and the thing that is the most remarkable to me is that they took their entire operation and they have multiple restaurants and somehow in a matter of days, they have pivoted to this curbside to go situation. Who, who does that? Like the resilience of the community here is incredible. I just can't believe how many, like so many people take months to set that up, to set up any sort of like delivery operation, curbside operation. They did it in days. Yeah. Like and you know, the ingenuity behind it, right. Of just <laughs> thinking like, but also I guess too, in, in sort of a panic moment when you realize like, we don't know what's coming. It, it becomes like, okay, this is like the easiest, the simplest thing to do. Like we still want to put our product out there. We want people to have good food. So let's we just make it. To get paid. Yeah. We still yeah. want to make sure that the supply chain is, is staying up. You know, that's the biggest concern that I have for a lot of these restaurants not having business or, or not being able to operate currently is that the supply chain might go down. Um, there's bigger impacts. You know, you have, you have 18,000 people that are laid off pretty much within a day in one town. Um, you have food that is going to waste, which thankfully everyone has like food chain has stepped up. God's pantry has stepped up. Hope center stepped up. Lee initiative has stepped up and, and everyone's trying to get food in to, to all of these organizations. I know that apiary has been feeding uh, Catholic action league and it's awesome to see how quickly everyone has pivoted. Yeah. So you are heavily involved with something that's called the Lee Initiative. And it has literally become this like loving arm to just take <laughs> all of these restaurant workers, people that, um, you know, just one day they were working and they were putting out great food and serving the public. And the next day they have no job. So talk to me about what you guys are doing and sort of what you all have seen in just really getting this up in about what the last week or so. Yeah. I mean, we honestly got operating in five days. Wow. Um, we spent two days of, of prepping and, and getting some initial supplies because we weren't entirely sure what the Lexington community needed at first. It's a lot of diapers. It's a lot of cleaning supplies. You know, some people have pantry staples, but right now it's hard to buy flour for, you know, 30 people or an night or, or whatever it could be. The Lee Initiative is stands for Let's Empower Employment. And initially it was started as a program to help female chefs kind of rise through the industry and have the tools that they need to be successful. When this happened, 
Edward Lee and Lindsay Asasik had the discussion of, okay, this is a Louisville problem right now. What do we do? And in Louisville, they started this meal drop. You come in, you have a meal, and then people can drop off supplies and we can, you know, donate supplies. Maker's Mart finds out about this. Maker's Mart gives, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a massive seed in, uh, infusion for this and gets the Louisville program funded to feed people for a long time, honestly. Like they have rearranged everything to make this happen for the restaurant community, for bartenders, for hospitality workers. You know, hotels are suffering. People people are out of work for, you know, even delivery guys are, are getting a majority of the work. But what about your servers? What about your bartenders? What about your back of house? What about your dishwashers? And so it, oper- it honestly expanded to like 14 cities within 10 days. Yeah. And Lexington is is one of them because we have, you know, I was initially just doing web education and, and teaching them how to create websites for the Lee Initiative. And then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, cool. I can do the logistics. I can do the reporting. Like this is my old life. I, I started out in web and, and accounting and, and I'm like, okay, cool. I can use those old skills. I have something to do. Um, and we started operating out of Great Bagel on Boston Road. And every night between five and seven, people can go in and, you know, show them a pay stub, show them that you work somewhere, uh, show them an ID and get a hot meal and then a small cache of supplies. And they can come back daily. Like, that's the thing is that we're here for them. And, and as of right now, I know that we have enough to operate at least through the end of April. Oh, and great. That's awesome like the the fact that the community has stepped up with donations at leeinitiative.org and that other corporate entities have stepped up to help us is amazing it means that everyone is invested into these folks and it honestly is coming faster than help from you know governmental agencies can happen happen you know there there are a lot of various sundry hurdles and and laws that need to go in place for for folks to get the helps the help that they need. So in the meantime, we're here. We are here to feed people. You know, the two days before we open, a, a gentleman came up and he was just like, I heard that you're doing food here. And these are people that are not accustomed to, to asking for help, but there's absolutely no shame in it. You know, this is what the restaurant industry, what the hospitality industry does. We are collectively the people who take care of each other. And Right now, everyone kind of needs to step up and, and, and take care of us or of, I, I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So I think that my efforts are best used making sure that everyone else is. Um, it means that I have to work that much harder to make sure that my community is okay. You know, I love my city. I, I love being here. I loved coming home. Lexington is home to me. And I want to do as much as I can to help the people of Lexington. And, you know, working in conjunction with operations like Food Chain and, and Dupree Catering has been crazy stepping up. Like they deliver, like we're delivering meals where people can't get them. We're making sure that people are getting the supplies that they need. And if people have a specific need for a supply or if they're too ill to come out, we can arrange for safe drops. We have the ability to do that because underneath the executive orders or the governmental orders that are going out right now, relief centers are allowed to stay open. And so we are here to help. And, and with social distancing and, and keeping your distance from people, we have measures in place to both protect our team and our, and our folks that are in need. I'm super impressed. I mean, Great Bagel has, has stepped up to the plate on an amazing degree. Uh, Kaylor Slagle with Branded 78 has done a lot of really, really great video content as well. Um, we've got folks from all over the nation that really want to get in on this program to, to help people. And, and I love that, you know, it's, it's out of great adversity that amazing things can happen. And then this is a prime example of it. 
Yeah, you love this place. I grew up in Kentucky. I love Lexington. Um, but I didn't realize how I take great businesses and restaurants for granted because they're always there. And so I love this concept of really neighbor helping neighbor. And especially, I didn't realize how important, and I'm embarrassed to say, those people that work in our day or that I see every day at my favorite restaurant, mm -hmm. I talk to them by name and they know my name, but I really did take for granted it what they do for us, right? Community. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You look at, you look at folks that are going through, you know, crazy situations and, and you never realize it because they're putting their best face yeah. forward for you. They're putting their most hospitable, like hospitable angles, like out for you. If they're having a bad day, you know, hospitality is not a hat. You can't take it off. Um, it's, it's important that they keep those relationships open, but without them in the restaurants and without, honestly, without people being able to, you know, rent and rent and payroll, you know, restaurants run on such thin margins as it is. And we have a lot of people here that are focused on taking care of their people. And I know that it is destroying them to not be able to, you know, Hugh Atchison said it best. He's like, I have people that I promised that I would take care of. I have people that I wanted to, you know, make sure we're okay. And I can't do that. And that just breaks me. Sorry, I'm trying to no, get off. No, it's okay. Sam, what do you hope goes going forward with this? I mean, let's say we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet, but we know that hopefully there is going to be that light at the end of the tunnel and we do get these folks back to work. Do you hope though that this makes our community think a little bit more about Absolutely. all of these folks? And do you hope that initiatives like this will continue just in case a restaurant shuts down and there's something there immediately for folks? I think that the initiative, once we have all of our cities funded, will pivot into reinvestment um, because there is a lot of loss. There's a lot of loss of food. There's a lot of loss of supply. There's a lot of loss of financing even. And, you know, right now it's the options are, okay, you can get a loan to pay back all of this, but it's just like, um, guys, what are we going to pay it back with? You know, we want to make sure that people realize that the service industry is often a huge fabric of the community. I have seen the service industry carry me to the wildest heights I have never imagined. I mean, what is it? Like next week, in two weeks, I think, we're going to be on, Lexington's going to be featured on PBS as Somewhere South. And that couldn't have happened without this, the initial groundswell and the word of mouth and the support that the service industry has given me. So I want to pay it back. I want to take care of them as much as they've taken care of me. And if this initiative can create goodwill among others, A, and supplies when we need them, I think that, you know, programs like this all over town should exist because nobody, I mean, you can say that you see a pandemic coming, but, you know, it's, it's only going to get worse for a bit yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's going to get scary and I don't want people to suffer. That's ultimately, it's just like, leave everything better than how you found it. And that's something that my husband says. That's something that my mother has said. Always try to leave things better than you found them. And this is definitely a test of that. Well, Sam, thank you for what you're doing and for just, 
I mean, just being a good voice in the community about this, because I mean, honestly, there are so many restaurant workers that I'm sure they don't feel like they have a voice. So to be able to have someone that can step up for them, um, you know, once we get through this and people want to come find you, they want to try your food. Where will people find you? Where can people keep up with you in terms of social media or social media is, is my jam right now. Um, <laughs> everything is at T-U-K, T-U-K-L-E-X, Tuk Tuk Lex. Um, you can follow me. You can shoot me a message. You can um, hop on our website at tuktuklex.com. We are going to be announcing the majority of stuff through Instagram. Um, I was supposed to be in Louisville next week, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'm probably not going to be out and about until about June. Um, I had, I honestly, I saw like within 30 minutes of the stay at home order starting to happen. I saw four months of events just vaporize in 40 minutes. They were gone. And it's just, it's crazy to me because, you know, these are- I think are... we're kind of similar because it sounds like our schedules are always jam packed and it's really <laughs> weird. I haven't opened a planner in three weeks because all the events, everything outside of work, all the emceeing things I was supposed to do. And it pains me for those organizations, but it's like, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't ever have this much idle time for sure. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about. It's, this community is so interesting and it's on the verge of something great. And we had to stop all of our progress for just a little bit. And I'm sure that we'll be able to get back up and, and get to where we were, but it's going to take a while. I don't think that we're going to be able to get all these places up and running. I don't think that we're going to be able to get all these businesses back to where they were. And I honestly think that we're going to lose some really great spots if we don't find a way how to support them. So whatever I can do, whatever we can do, heck, if you have ideas, <laughs> just make them known, do things, you know, that's, that's what we do. Um, you see a need and you mobilize and you make it happen. And the best of this community is its resilience in making things happen when people are in need. And, and I think that's a very Kentucky thing. I, I tell people that when I moved here, my mindset was changed of everyone that I met. Um, is when I lived in Boston, it was, okay, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? What can you do for me? And in Kentucky, that completely shifted to what can I do for you? And I think that's a huge indication of the Kentucky community and, and how we operate. And so, you know, bluegrass hospitality, Southern hospitality, all of that, it works hand in hand with taking care of each other.